I'm a firm believer that if you don't understand that business, there's no way you can run it. My first experience was Domino's Pizza back then. I mean, I was 18 years old and probably was very eager to start. Uh, but the Domino's team guy told me, hey, you got to cut the pizza, you got to make the pizza, you got to do inventory, you got to be at the cashier. You need to understand what it takes to have a pizza delivery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Six, it six gives you perspective. Months, yeah, the first six months, I, I really worked at it. And now, 20 years afterwards, I really understand what it takes so I can manage it. All right, guys, thanks for joining us, Francisco, and we'll have John here. But but today's episode is going to be really, really good. I mean, it holds, uh, I, I think it has a special place in my heart, really have uh, a good feeling about this episode. We have our special guests here today, Jaime Rionda with Eagle uh, Capital Property, EPC. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jaime. Thank you for joining us, Jaime. Hey, uh, hey guys, this is John Azar, Francisco Herrera is, uh, with us today. He, he just, uh, he's, 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 Francisco's like, uh, you know, I don't know, what are you nursing a hangover or something like that, Francisco? They did, had a little, <laughs> little fun the night before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep my head straight. I'm trying to keep my head straight here today. Yeah. It looks like, no, it looks no, like no, a person bro, should be, who is nursing, who, who looks like who might be nursing a hangover is Jaime. He's like, uh, he's in a perfect spot for a hangover in Miami. So, um, I, I wish I'm not, but I wish I am. What's, uh, what's going on, buddy. I'll let you, uh, give give a little, give a little snapshot about yourself and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey man, I, I I'm just I, I say it out of envy, man. I'm I you know I I I see the palm trees in the background. And I wish I was where you are. So it's all good. It's all good. But uh, yeah, Jaime, welcome again. Good. If you can give us uh, like a little little snapshot about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I was gonna hide the palm trees so you guys wouldn't get envious, but maybe next time she'll <laughs> give me a hit about it. Um, it's all good. Well, it's Snapshot good. is, I'm very involved with real estate and I've been for the past uh, basically 10 years of my life. Uh, I guess real estate just, I stumbled into it. Uh, honestly, I was never pointing towards it. At least at, uh, at the beginning of my professional career, I always thought I would end up being a financial in some form or case, a uh, stockbroker or whatever. That's where I started. And Eventually, life uh, showed me a different way, and I ended up um, taking care of expansion for a movie theater in, in Mexico, and, uh, and that's where I really fell in love with uh, with real estate. Had no experience at all. And, uh, wow, you you, you you gave like a whole snap, like a like a like a. Like a thirty-year snapshot, and in, 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 in ten, that that was that was the quickest snapshot of, of like the most pervasive out of timeline that we've had, I think, on the show. Well, I, I don't know how deep do you uh, want to get involved in my life. So, no, no, no. We want to get deep. We no, want to get no, deep. We'll get deep. I, no, we'll get deep. No, believe me, we'll get deep. Let's back up a little bit to where, like, your where were you raised? Where were you? Where did you grow up? You know that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, I'm born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, been living there uh, basically my whole life. I started elementary school in Mexico City. Started to play soccer around uh, fourth and fifth elementary. Really loved the sport. Wanted to even try to become a professional player around my teenage years. Mexico, as you know, has a very, very big, it's probably the biggest sport in Mexico. Uh, so there's a lot of competition. Um, I was studying in a private school back then, and private schools, at least for Mexican soccer players, it basically doesn't exist. So uh, it was a, a difficult background in, in that sense wasn't uncomfortable at all. I just, if you wanted to become a soccer player, that would be complicated. Tried, tried to, uh, I was accepted in a, in a Mexican 
soccer team, but my my dad wouldn't allow it. He just didn't think it was a, mm. the so, best. Wait, so choice. you were you were actually drafted in with an, a professional soccer team? Yeah, that it's it's different than in America. So I, I wouldn't label it as drafted. I would I would just label it as uh, accepted in the minor. Um, Horses, that's how it's called. The, like the minor. You, you did, you did like a walk on. Team. I mean, essentially. Yeah, I just showed. I, okay. I, I and you were, and you, you, and you got in. I mean, you try. I mean, assuming you had to, you had to try out to try in yeah, to get yeah. in. Yeah. Um, I skipped school for one day. I, I went to the, the practice, um, and the guy saw me play. He said, "Hey, I, I want you to come and play for the first team. Start to train with the first team because I was 15 at the." back then so uh and i tried out with the guys yeah. who were 14 so he was like uh first first team starts uh practices in the morning so you need to skip school so i was there um i played okay i guess and uh, they said okay stay with us and when i told my dad in the afternoon he said no way my son is not going to be a soccer player and i don't think that's the way to go and wow. to be honest i didn't put much resistance I think I just wanted to to know I could do it, and uh, eventually I got over it pretty fast. So um, I think it was just proving to myself that I was good enough, at least to to enter into the team. I'm not sure if I was good enough to play professionally, but at least good enough to play and train with, with those guys. That's very surprising to me because, I mean, and this is the reason why in the beginning of, of the show, John, as I said that this uh, guest on uh, this show, it holds really close to my heart is because it's rooted, in, it's Mexican rooted and coming from the Mexican background because I'm Mexican myself, but it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to believe or to, to think like, hey, your, your parents weren't as supportive for you to have the potential for you to be a professional soccer player because that's all they would want, especially like, like. For their sons, if they're good enough and they're trying now and they get accepted to a club, normally the kind of feedback you want is that they want them to continue to pursue that because soccer is so big in Mexico that it's almost for a lot of players who probably don't have such a good upbringing. That's all they look forward to. It's almost like other parts of the country, like let's say in Brazil, all they look for is I need to try to make it into professional soccer. And it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's new to me to actually to hear that, that your, your dad wasn't as supportive in that. Yeah. That's surprising. That's definitely surprising for me as well. But, uh, but you know, maybe your was, did, did your dad have like other plans for you that he wants you to like get into business really early in life or something or what's, yeah. uh, what was the holdup? Yeah. He didn't think, um, well, he knows us now I do that playing a professional sport is very demanding, especially at a young age. And you leave a lot of things on the yeah. side just to play for it, and just very few make it. So um, he believed it was a, yeah. a safer bet to to aim towards business and not to play. So, and to be honest, at that age, at 15, as I said, I got over it very fast because at the end of the day, I think I just wanted to know if I was good enough. I'm not, I'm not sure I had the, the uh, mentality. Okay. I would sacrifice all that to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. get much support, but I think if I would have pushed uh, a little bit more, and I'm not saying much more, I would have gotten the support. Yeah. For me, it was some, like, I don't know, yeah. a milestone. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I hear you. It's just I something you. you just wanted to prove to yourself that, hey, you know what? Yeah. I did it, and now on to the next chapter. At least like yeah. Well, what was what was the next what was the next milestone from that that you wanted to recognize for yourself as it as it you know after your teenager or maybe mid teen late teens you know what was after that? Well, mid teens, I, I, I that's when I wanted to start to make money. Very early age, uh, I continued playing soccer in a, a mature level. I started selling soccer shoes. It's it's back when. Uh, color soccer shoes came around. The Diadoras, the, I don't know if you remember those guys. The Italians yeah. started wearing those yeah. blue, blue soccer shoes that were 
really a revelation because all soccer shoes were black uh, until the Adora started. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the Adora started with the blue ones for the Italian national team and the green ones, the red ones, yep. Milan. So I started selling those, um, which was a, a big flop <laughs> uh, because I, I gave credit. <laughs> That's when I understood credit. I started selling them with credit and people wouldn't pay me and I had to pay the, the uh, my vendors and I got in a very small... Oh, you started selling them on credit? Yeah, because these guys were teenagers and <laughs> they, didn't get, they didn't have $100 to spare. So, uh, I said, okay, there give was, me 30 There was no... Uh, there was no credit application that had to be submitted to you at the oh, time. I, I didn't filter them at all. <laughs> so I started oh, selling them. I sold, I mean, I sold a lot of shoes and didn't get quite the wholesale back. So uh, it was complicated. So I then understand that credit was a complicated issue and I didn't, so I didn't survive at least my first business venture. Afterwards, I started mm. a, a Domino's Pizza franchise with the help of my, my dad, which I still own. Oh, nice. Yeah. 20, wow. 23 years. Oh, wow. Years. Still That's own in it with in, your dad? In, in Mexico City? In Mexico City? In Mexico City. Um, I own a couple of other. I know I own seven Domino's Pizza stores down in Mexico City and started with that one. That was my first real business venture. Um, I got the whole support from my, my dad. I paid him off. And now it's a business of my own with two other partners, wow, which we started. That's awesome. Wait, that's so, amazing. so, so let, me, let, me, let me go back a little bit. So your dad, does he, I, I'm, I can see that in you and embedded in your DNA and it's embedded in all of our DNAs when it, when it comes to minorities, we're always very entrepreneur spirited. Um, and you can already have seen, I mean, you having to go into your first business venture selling soccer shoes, but does your dad also come from the business world? Is that what was like ingrained in you? Or was that something that he just envisioned for you and saying, hey, you know what, being in business is the way to go. And that's where I want you to go. Yeah, well, my, uh, I guess I'm going to go a lot back. Uh, my grandfather came from, uh, he came from Spain. And uh, as a lot of immigrants in every country, they didn't come with much, and they started selling. Uh, he started selling clothes in Mexico. Then he developed the brand, uh, which was a pretty successful brand in Mexico. Now one of my uncle owns and operates. And uh, my father never never worked in the let's say the family business, but he worked on himself by himself, and he was basically uh, involved in financial institutions, banks, brokers. Mm. What, was, what, what did your dad do, um, Jaime? Well, he's an economist. He sold uh, insurance from uh, also, uh, he was a stock broker. He bought a uh, brokerage mm. firm back in the 80s. Buying a brokerage firm back in the 80s in Mexico probably was like buy, buying one in the 60s in America. I mean, there was no real regulation. Uh, they were just really getting started. So that's where he really made a, a big jump by himself economically. Uh, he later sold the brokerage. That's firm. great. Did, did pretty well. And afterwards, he kept working uh, with banks, other brokerage firms. He had a financial service company. So he's now retired. But now I see where the business uh, yeah, acumen came in from for exactly. you. Exactly. It's in the DNA, yeah, hence, brother. It's in the yeah, DNA. Hence the push into the business world. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But why, why, why Domino's? Like, where did that come about as that being like your, your well, first uh, business venture with your father? That was a, a very... Uh, fun story. We used to buy tacos in a, in a little stand in, in Mexico City. And um, one of a close friend of mine, his mom was the director of a children's museum in Mexico. And I approached him and said, after, after my bankruptcy with the uh, soccer shoes, <laughs> um, 
I approached him and told him, why don't we put this taco stand in the children's museum? Um, I have saved like, I think it was like $1,000. I think that, that'll be the whole investment. And um, we could start selling them. I mean, there's no real food. There was no food court. There was anything. But you had a lot of people. And a lot of people that stayed in the museum mm -hmm. for five, six, even seven hours. Um, so he liked the idea. He approached his mom. His mom loved the idea, especially because it was our idea. And uh, when we sat down with the committee from the museum, they said, no, no, no. We don't want a taco stand laying around in our museum. Bring us to the table something more with a brand. And they suggested Pizza Hut or Domino's Pizza. And um, we approached them. Uh, the Domino's Pizza guys were very open and great with us. They gave us a discount. They were very eager to have their brand in the children's museum. So um, that's honestly how we ended up with uh, Domino's Pizza because I didn't have wow. a capital. Wow. To franchise it, but when I told my father, it's really he said, cool. Back you up because it's a brand that's gonna work very well in a great market. So that's how we ended up. And you were and so you were how very... old then, Jaime? I was eighteen. Okay. So Jaime was raising capital since the age of eighteen. You see that that was his first uh, <laughs> equity raise from his father for for the Domino's Pizza. I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. In eighteen, I didn't even—I didn't even know how to even start to build a business at eighteen. Nevertheless, yeah. you know, get capital for it. That's a good story. I like it. Yeah, it's I like a, it. I Never too early to start, kiddos. Never too early to start. Never too early. early. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, no. In, Don't in, sell in, by in, credit. I mean, almost in every part. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I love about Mexico is like like uh, and and I I don't know uh, a lot as far as like on the Middle East, John, and you can probably speak to that. But in regards to Mexico, it's like literally it's like entrepreneurial. Um, it's like every little corner that you go to, either you have taco stands or you have hot dog stands. Uh, you have essentially people building their business in front of their homes. So where they live, right in their front of their house, they're already starting their business and. And it's it's very much ingrained in us as to the fact. So I'm not surprised at the fact that Jaime at such an early age has already thought about business and doing business. Because, I mean, we I see it all the time. I mean, I go to Tijuana well, I, I, mostly like on a regular basis. But when I go there, you see these young little kids just going out there, hustling, trying to, to, to make some money. Either they have like a like a bread stand right in the corner. They're very entrepreneurial and that's just their, their lifestyle. That's all they know. So they're already working yeah. at such a young age, whether they're like eight, nine, 10 years old, they're already out there hustling. So by the time they're 18, they already have that mentality, like uh, essentially matured uh, from all those years that they've been doing this at such a young age. I didn't do that again. I mean, we, I didn't grow up like that, but it's 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 amazing to see how you really develop even at such a young age to do something like how you just did. Like that's really, yeah, really awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I I it, I think Mexico has a little bit more or a lot more robust and stable financial system mm -hmm. than than the Middle East did. You know, when I grew up in in, in Syria, so it's the, the banking system is is mature and for, and, and and even even back in the eighties. Um, that was not the same. I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, where I grew up, it's, you know, you have to, everything is cash and there was like the banking system is not that, that, that sophisticated. And, and, and certainly the branding, these multinational brands did not, did not exist where I grew up. I mean, you know, the Domino's pizza, pizza hut, you know, all that kind of, stuff. I mean, they, we didn't, we didn't have that, you know, I didn't really have any national multinational brands until I, my family immigrated to the, to the United States. So, um, but yeah, that's that's amazing, Jaime. That's a good, yeah. good story. So where 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 do you go from there? You got the pizza franchise. You did that at eighteen. What's the next What's the next adventure that happened well, after that? Um, I went to a couple of months to Europe. I worked at Hanover Expo two thousand. Uh, that was twenty two years ago, and I worked in Germany. It was in Hanover, Germany, for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. so I 
after I graduated from high school, I, I spent a couple of months in couple of one month traveling Europe and a couple of months working in, in Germany and came back to, to Mexico City to actually to open the, the store that was back in December of 2000. We opened our first store, the first the Children's Museum and uh, started college on January of 2001. I started, I studied, I think it's, it's different from the U.S. Uh, we really like get into it quite fast. Um, I started industrial engineering and studied that for four years. I've always been a pretty lousy student, to be honest, and uh, <laughs> college was no exception. I did okay, but just okay. I mean, I didn't do great. I just most most good entrepreneurs most make lousy students. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I hate studying. <laughs> it's not in my DNA, definitely. So um, I hear you. I hear you. That's because we're we're too impatient. We're too impatient. We want to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I did okay. Then I started to work um, mid-college around this, at this in Mexico. I'm not sure how it works in the U.S. Sixth semester. By the sixth semester, we usually takes us eight semesters um, to finish the industrial engineering. I started working uh, in a brokerage firm as, a, as an analyst. I worked there for two years, which was pretty excruciating time for me because um, I would start college. At, my first class would be seven to nine. After nine, I would drive to the brokerage firm, work from around 10 to three. And at four, I would be back in college, ended up around 10. So um, it was very tiring, wow. very complicated, but um, I learned a lot. That, mentally at the moment for sure yeah at the moment i thought i was that was my my calling to be a, a financial not a financial but at least i thought i was gonna be a stockbroker always thought about it and once i worked at it um, i liked it and i really appreciate it it helped me understand i think the, the, the broad market of Whose companies? Who? What do they do? The manufacturers, the financial, uh, the valuations. How how you evaluate a company? How the stock market works? So gives me gave me a lot of uh, tools that later on in life helped me a lot. Uh, but I understood uh, at least in the first year that that was not what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So um, I quit and started another business. I started a computer business. This was back in 2004. We started doing technical support. Uh, the idea was to give technical support to small companies. Medium. You, again, I'm always curious as how, how you get certain ideas to start different businesses. So how did the computer support is just that just because of what you were studying or you were exposed to that? Like, how did you even think about starting a computer support business? Um, Where did well, that idea come from? I had um, a lot of conversations and uh, I realized that technical support now in the early 2000s was uh, a must. Not all small companies, um, they doing maybe a micro company. I mean, four, five, six employees. This was after Y2K. This was after Y2K. So. Yeah, this was after Y2K. I realized uh, they didn't have enough capital or funding to have an IT guy on site 24-7. So the idea was, we'll be your IT guys. Uh, we'll just come maybe once or twice a week. Uh, we'll give you the support. And then you don't need to hire one uh, because your company is a four, five, 10, maybe 20 people. And we, we found a niche, uh, it was a good niche. A lot of people appreciated our services, especially because they didn't want to hire IT guys. So we basically brought in a, a solution. I was in charge of sales. Um, I'm not an IT guy. Uh, my partner was the IT guy. I was more 
in charge of. And, and your services were only in Mexico City, oh, Jaime, at the time? Yeah. At the time, we were only in Mexico City. We started that, that company. Uh, then a year and a half later, my partner, which was the IT guy, wanted to, to study a, a master's degree. And uh, he said, having started this company, we did like a, um, what's it called? The, the Best Buy guys have a Geek Squad. Have you seen Geek mm -hmm. Squad? Yeah. It was yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very similar to Geek Squad, which was very, very new back then. Ah, okay. Now, I don't think. Got it. Got it. Exist, but um, back then, that's what we tried to so do. So you're one of the founding fathers of the Geek Squad. One of the pioneers. <laughs> Geek Squad version of Mexico City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a weird oh. way, yeah, in, in Mexico City. Then my partner wanted to leave uh, to study his master's and he didn't want to have. Well, he said his resume needed more structure and uh, having started this company wasn't enough. So um, we sold the company to a friend of mine, actually, which still operates on a minor scale. And of course, it, it's changed a lot, the business 20 years ago. So, um, but it's still standing. So I'm, at least I'm proud that it's still there. That's great. That's, That's great. all. That's she, awesome. So how did you make your way into real estate? Well, then, then I started working in a mining company for two years. I have a, a mining company, like actual mining, like mining, mining, mining it for Cop like precious metals or copper, uh, gold, silver, and zinc. Wow. Yeah, mining company. Damn. You've done it all, Jaime. Mining <laughs> company. I didn't see that one coming. I worked there for. I like two, it. I like it. Two years. I lived in Sonora, in a very, 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 very small place in Sonora called Nakosari and uh, another small place called La Caridad, which La Caridad has like uh, less than 2,000 citizens. <laughs> they, of course, all worked for wow. the mining company and I was no exception. Yeah, big driver. I was there for... for what, what, where, where are those places? What part of Mexico is that for us, Northwest. Uh, for us gringos? Northwest part of Mexico. Northwest, yeah. okay. West. Yeah, I, I would actually I would drive on the weekends to to Phoenix, so it's pretty close by. It's right Arizona. under Arizona, John. So just to kind of get a better sense of where in Mexico it's at. So a lot of Arizona oh, I got go it. down to to Sonora. I actually go to Puerto Peñasco when I go out to Sonora, but that's yeah, more of like a touristic. A lot of Arizonians go out there and they in their quads and stuff. But I I haven't heard of the the cities that you had mentioned in Sonora. You wouldn't. You would have to live in a mining yeah. site for you to know them. So it was very, very small. Yeah. But it was a. It was yeah. A, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. A different experience for me because I, I was, of course, I was single and I was all alone because I, I, I lived alone. I worked alone, but still I was just twenty-three years old. So uh, it was a pretty, I don't know, like integrating a stage of my life which I lived in these mountains, worked from 5 a.m. till around 3 p.m. So I had at least from 4 to 8 or 9 p.m. just by myself. So uh, internet was very starting. I mean, there was mm. much activity there. So uh, I was basically alone most of the time. So, uh, but somehow I, I learned a lot about. Oh, me. that's that's the probably the age to do it. You know, when you're single and don't have any family commitments, that's that's when to do all these, these kind of uh, explore these kind of career adventures. Correct. And then I I was brought into Mexico City offices. I was in charge of selling. I was in the commercial area of the company, so I sold uh, copper, uh, gold, and silver. Worked there for about a year, and the same company owns and operates a freight train company. And they moved me to a freight train company for for almost a year and a half also. So I was there for almost four years between the mining company and the freight train company. Basically, at the freight train company, I was in operations. I didn't drive the trains. 
I was involved in operations <laughs> and also in the, in the commercial area. And then okay. I, I quit, I quit uh, this job and started another company. It was a mm. direct sales company. I partner up with a big movie star from Mexico. She's, you probably know her, Francisco, it's Veronica Castro. You've heard of her, at least. Veronica Castro, really? Yeah. I partner mm. up with her. Wow. She's... Uh, just, okay. John, she's, she should be... What, you, what did you partner up with her to do? I wanted her to be the image of the, of the products. So, the face, uh, the oh. face of the brand. The face of the brand. So we started this company that was called Veronica Castro, as her name is. Uh, and we started selling yeah. lipsticks, and shadows, and all these things women wear. Oh, and cosmetics. And, yeah, all cosmetics. And, uh, and we sold it door by door in a catalog. It was a very interesting time yeah, of Yeah, man, you've, you've really done it all. I mean, right now, so far, yeah, you're two nice. for two. The what? companies that you are still around. Are you three for three now? Is this company still around with Veronica Castro? We sold the company afterwards, um, so it's still around, but it doesn't. Okay. doesn't and it's, it was a it was a makeup company. Is that what you said? Makeup it was a makeup cosmetic company using a big big star in Mexico, and uh, but we sold it door by door. So yeah. Wow. The, the fun part about this is that we would do this these gatherings and all the this. Women from Mexico would come, and, uh, and I would try to talk to them, try to motivate them, try to make them go out and sell as much as they could. And uh, it was very, very successful for the first year. I mean, sales were rocketing. Then I had some trouble wow. with this. Uh, with this artist, uh, artists are very complicated. They they don't understand. I'm not not complicated. I mean, they don't understand business. And she wanted money fast. And she was like, hey, where's my money? And I was like, your money is going to come up. But it'll take us a couple of years. And we need to ramp up. We need to invest a lot of the cash that comes from all the different sources. Yeah. A lot of CapEx has to go in. I mean, we're doing a warehouse work. So she got a bit desperate. And she said, no, I want my money now or? I don't want to have, or somebody's making a lot of money, and it's not me. So um, we took mm. a, a route and said, "Hey, you know, let's sell this. If you if you don't have enough patience for this, then I think we should sell the business, or somebody that appreciates appreciates because in this business, what you have is the sales women." We had almost two thousand sales. With yeah, this was this was similar. Sounds like it's similar to like Avon or something like that. That's you know, here exactly, in the states, you know, they exactly, had like Avon. Exactly what like we did. Exactly what we did in a very okay. similar sense. Uh, which the difference we we had a brand that's very very recognizable. Makes we even had people buying from us from Russia. She's a big star in Russia. I don't know why. Wow. Wow. So are you able to share the name uh, of the brand uh, of the brand or, or you're not allowed to? Well, the brand was her name, Veronica Castro. That was that brand. Oh, so oh, just the Veronica brand was Castro. her name. Okay. Oh, okay. the brand was her name. Okay. We used her brand. Gotcha. Wow. Man, your career entrepreneurship career journey is keeping me on the edge of my seat here. I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to find out how the hell you, how the hell you made the switch to real estate. So we that's, done, a, that's at the very end, pizza. John. <laughs> <laughs> that's the crescendo, man. That's the crescendo. He's, he's building it up little by little. He's that's building great. it. Is it is? No, we, we, have, we have pizza. Back up. We have computer, IT, and now we have makeup. All right, I'm, 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 I'm on the edge. I'd love to. Yeah, what's the next? Yeah, one? this is this is like a spy novel. Keep going, keep going, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so afterward. We I had like to it. sell the business. So we didn't sell the business. What we sold was the, I'm not sure the correct words, like the database. Our sales women, our force, our sales force. Okay. That was yeah. what was really valuable. I mean, because at the end of the day, you have a brand, but what you need and what you 
end up creating is this, is this big sales force. So um, I had a guy, uh, a friend of mine, we studied together. He moved to Guadalajara and he sell, he sold clothes, the same platform. Uh, he used a door-to-door sales. So I called him up and told him, hey, uh, I'm running into trouble with, with this girl. And uh, I think the best thing for me is to take a quit, probably take a loss. And, uh, but I have this that we've been working for the past year and a half, uh, which we've grown a lot. And, uh, it's not only Mexico City. We have it everywhere in Mexico. Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting for you. And um, he saw it uh, the same way, and he said, okay, perfect. Um, I'll buy it from you guys. And, uh, I'll mm-hmm. So the, the, the brand doesn't exist anymore, and it hasn't existed for, this was around 2009. And, uh, but the sales force, I hope still some girls are involved. Afterwards, I entered, uh, I got married just in the middle of this crisis between Veronica Castro and my, my next this, this cosmetic Watergate that you had <laughs> over there. <laughs> I like how you say it, John. <laughs> you like that? You like that? I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep oh. it. All right. So, so you, so you finished this 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 cosmetic Watergate, and you met your wife in in somewhere in there, and uh, and and right. you got married. I got married. Um, How did you find real estate, your way into real estate? Um, well, I had a big offer. Uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, um, you understand this type of businesses. He just, uh, his family just acquired the, the mo- a big movie theater in movie chain in Mexico City. And he said, I think you're an operational guy. I mean, you've been involved with the franchises for the past by then, I had around 10 years in experience, um, a little bit less than 10 years. Mm. I need somebody I can trust. I need somebody that can help me uh, potentialize and grow the brand. So um, so I, I started working for Cinemix. That was 2011. I asked for them, before I started working in the corporate offices, if I could be and work in a theater operate a theater just one site uh, for at least three months so i can really like to understand how does it work and what makes a theater tick so i started working just for one theater for three months and afterwards i moved into the corporate offices i took over real estate i took over operations and uh, i took over which is basically how you program the movies, doing different theaters, yeah. uh, what schedules to use. So uh, th- those were the, the first three areas I started. So that's where I started to get involved in real estate. Wow. I just started, honestly, I remember telling my, my boss, I, I don't know anything about real estate. I mean, I've never been involved with real estate. I'm sure you can find somebody else that has experience who will start. And he said, no, I think you have, uh, you have what it takes and you just need to understand it. Um, you're organized enough. And you have a common sense and that's all you need. And I was like, well, I don't think so, but if you say so, <laughs> okay, we'll do it like, like that. So um, I started to get involved, try to understand the markets. Um, it helped me a lot because I had to travel to see operations. So I would do, I would do both. I would see some operations, try to understand why one worked and the other didn't, uh, which obviously is real estate 101. But I didn't have any real training, to be honest. I mean, I just struggled for that first year um, trying to understand uh, why one would work, why one rent was higher than the other one, which is very basic. But back then, to me, was really something very new and something I needed to really get involved. And what happened to me was that I got very involved in real estate because I thought mm. 
I didn't know enough. So I was, I was worried that uh, things would get out of hand if I didn't get very, very involved. So uh, I neglected a bit operations, which we had a great team back then. So I could have them take care of the job. And mm. I would say basically 70 or 75% of my time was focused on real estate. When I took over Cinemax, uh, this was 2011. By 2013, I was uh, co-CEO. We were two CEOs. I was managing from operations to sales to programming, real estate. That's a that's a testament of how how good and how much progress you make in one in one business and how much of an acumen they see you and value of your of your you know ability in that business i mean it's you know just just for listeners you know it, it's it jaime is a perfect example of, of of folks who are they not only learn the business that they're getting into they have different businesses but they learn i mean the reason you're so effective jaime i think is because just like your friend said you're very good at learning the business you know and the procedure and inside out and running it and that's what makes it really well i mean so that's what makes you very, very effective in what you do because you know you can you'll learn all different facets of the business. I mean, you wanted to work in the theater just so you can learn the operation. Just to give you you know an example, I'm sure you did the same thing with all the other businesses that you worked in. So there's a really huge value in putting hands on in, in those businesses in order for you to understand the different facets and in the financial running of that business. Uh, you know, in, in order for you to to really be able to understand the DNA of what you're running. Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that if you don't understand that business, there's no way you can run it. My first experience was Domino's Pizza back then. I mean, I was 18 years old and probably was very eager to start. Uh, but the Domino's team guy told me, hey, you gotta, you gotta cut the pizza, you gotta make the pizza, you gotta do inventory, you gotta be at the cashier. You need to understand what it takes to have a pizza delivery. And, uh, so the first absolutely absolutely six, it six gives you perspective months, yeah the first six months i i really worked at it and uh and now 20 years afterwards i really understand what it takes so i can manage it and when i started in cinemix everything like fell into its place because it's a different business of course movie theater than Domino's pizza but at the end of the, the day it's a business and you can run it as a franchise in a sense that what Cinemex didn't have back then was a structure. Um, Cinemex was a fusion of two companies. So once you, once you merge two, two different companies, it's two different ways of doing the same thing. Two different ways of doing the same popcorn. So one of my mm -hmm. first tasks was to structureize and have everything do exactly the same way, which incredible, but back then they didn't have it. So uh, for me, it was very easy. Once I understood the business, what I had to do, at least operational wise was, okay, we just need to standardize the company. That's what they mean. Yeah. So we yeah. implemented yeah, absolutely. a big, big standardization program that they keep using till today from uh, making the managers understand what they're doing, how much they're selling, what side they need to be selling, what brings the, uh, the biggest margins. Um, they need to understand the tendons. They need to understand which are the best days, which are their slow days. Uh, maybe that's when you get a promotion because every market and every theater is different. So, uh, But for me, having this back experience of the Indominus Pizza really, really gave me a very clear direction of where we... Yeah, it, 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 it sounds like it gave you a core understanding of definitely a lot of different facets of the franchise business, which is, which is huge for yes. you. Um, yes. And then in Cinemax, how did you progress into, you know, doing the core real estate that you're, that you're, that you're currently involved in, you know, which is multifamily and, and funds and all that kind of stuff? Well, uh, as I said, I started to focus a lot on, on real estate and... Once the board decided to move uh, the expansion of not just Mexico, uh, when we started back in 2011, Cinemex had around 100 theaters. 
when I left 2018, I left it at 340 theaters in two different countries. Woo! Wow. So that's when I started to work. That is a hell of an expansion. That's when I started to work real estate in the U.S. Around 2016, we started the expansion towards, we were seeing Colombia, we were seeing Guatemala, and we were seeing the U.S. Uh, the board decided that we should enter the, the American market. So uh, I left a lot of my functions as, as co-CEO back in Mexico. So uh, I delegated those functions and started the expansion towards the U.S., which was a real, real complicated because honestly coming to the U.S., sitting down with different developers and trying to explain to them why we were a better option in Mexico, which honestly doesn't really, at least they don't appreciate comes a lot of quality from theaters. Maybe now they do because Cinepolis is the second largest movie theater in the world, also a Mexican brand. Sure, sure. Cinemex so, is so, so it has no involvement or Cinemex and Cinepolis is not the same, right? No, not at all. You got, got the top five, the, the top five biggest companies in the world, at least in movie theaters. Number two is Cinepolis and number five is Cinemex. So Mexico's a real player in movie theaters around the world. Yeah. Mm. So that, mm -hmm. that, was, a, that, mm -hmm. was, that wow. was very complicated for me because trying to show up with the developers and making them the pitch and the sale why we were a better option was very complicated and was very time consuming. Eventually we did it. And uh, years afterwards, now Cinemex has more than 15 different locations in the U.S. and probably still count. So that's, yeah. in yeah. a parallel sense, in 2013, I started investing in as, a, as an LP, as, a, as, a, as an uh, investor. Uh, a friend of mine called yeah. me, I was mm. at Cinemex, and said, hey, I'm, I'm starting this company. I'm buying multifamily properties. We're doing value add strategy. Uh, it was a bit. He's, he's buying in the U.S. at the time. In the U.S., he was based in Mexico City. He said, "I'm, I'm moving to Miami, and um, I'm going to buy a couple of properties. Help me raise some capital. Let's start the business together. Quit your job in Cinemex and come, come work with me." Uh, back then, to be honest, I was I had a lot of stuff in my hands working with. Cinemix, I was very involved, I was very happy, and, and there was a lot to do, and I liked where I was at the moment, so I told him, I won't, I won't join you, I won't quit, but uh, I'll be an investor. Count me in, at least you already have the first investor in. So, I, and I, in a parallel sense, I started learning, uh, as an investor, how the multifamily worked in the U.S. for us. Mexicans, or at least I think I speak for most Latins, we don't really understand what multifamily means or does because we don't have them back home. Uh, yeah. It's a very different uh, scenario. And uh, now that I understand it, love it. I think it's great, great. Well, I don't want to say the best investment, but it's definitely up there with the best investment. How it, how it behaves in crisis recessions when even when things are going great so so that's how i got involved in real estate uh, in, in a parallel sense that's how i got involved in multifamily properties uh, i quit it quit it working that's fantastic in 2018 uh, was the ceo for a shopping center company in mexico for a year and uh Things didn't really work out between the partners and me. Um, I'm still a partner with them. The relationship is great, but we just didn't know how to work together. And afterwards, in 2019, that's where, where I made the jump fully to the fund and to multifamily properties. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Man, Man that is, that is uh, I, I already know the, the journey. Yeah, it's quite the journey. I already know the headline for this episode from 
from from from shoes to to pizza, pizza. to makeup to uh IT. To, to, to IT to mining to, to you know to <laughs> to multifamily i mean it's it's a hell of a to cinemas to multifamilies to movies to multifamilies man that is uh that is that is quite the journey my friend that is quite the journey that is uh yeah i i don't think i we have we haven't had one this guest one on the, the show i think that you know that, yeah. that had this type of journey like this type of exposure this type of no. I hope I'm not your first in their in their background i hope i'm not your first guest john no, no. you're not the first guest you're <laughs> not, not the, the first, first guest, guest. <laughs> no 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 but this no, this no, is definitely the up there as far as our guest and and having such a diverse background with all the type of businesses and journey that you have gone through i mean talk about breaking resistance he broke through Every single barrier in every single sector. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's awesome. That and is I the, love the, the mentality. Men no, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say the mentality. I was gonna say the mentality to switch gears like that is 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 very admirable. I I love it. Yeah. I love it. Not not, yeah. not many people in the world have this ability to switch gears in different industries. Not just in. I mean, this isn't just switching gears and like going from selling shoes to owning a shoe store this is going from from selling shoes to doing you know copper mining i mean you know i mean it's not it wasn't that transition but it was completely different industries it's not even related yeah. but i think i like what you said you know uh, jaime running a business is running a business if you know how to run the business itself if you know the dna of a business and the financial you know uh structure and the bare bones of a business you can yeah. run any business it doesn't matter what type yeah. of business it is and it's getting in the trenches. And I love the fact that how Jaime said, like the fact that when you go into a business and how he went into Cinemax, he wanted to get in the trenches of how you really run an actual theater as opposed to just coming and working for the corporate office. It's nothing like oh, getting yeah. in the trenches and knowing the full operations of running a full theater. Then you can go back and say, hey, now I understand how it runs. Now I can come and I can do some work. You know what I mean? It, most most yeah. most people don't have that mentality for them to actually be ingrained in the operations like that. No, no, they don't. Yeah, what that that that's amazing. What what was what was in all your journey, Jaime? You know, with, through all these things, what was what was the hardest thing that stuck with you, and and what was sort of like the the biggest lesson you walked away from? Um, I think that the hardest part was definitely. I did the makeup business with this with movie star. Well, I gave her all the power and I underestimated her in our relationship, thinking it was more than enough just talking about it. I think I should have had something in writing, which I didn't, which is, of course, a huge mistake. But back then, well, we discussed it a lot and everything. As all first conversations are, everything seems to be perfect and great. Everybody's on the good side. And later on, we have an expression here in Mexico. They grow their claws afterwards. And she did. That was very hard for me walking out because we were doing very well. I'm sure that was a great business. And... Uh, I always wanted to work for myself. That didn't. I thought that was my, my, my breakthrough. It didn't happen. So I think that was, for me at least at the moment, has been my, my biggest lesson in life. To have everything in order before you start. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. It's all fun and games until uh, until until stuff gets hard, and then you need that the reliability of you know actually having a plan and and everything on paper and having an understanding and you know you're having having contracts and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Jaime, I have a question for you. I know we're we're kind of getting ready towards the end of the show but i i had to ask i know from everything that you have gone through from your entire journey but one question i have to ask and this and it's this, I, I speak i want to i it's just very interesting for me if you would have taken the soccer path what mexican soccer club would you have wanted to play for and america is off the table you can't pick america i've always been fan of club america so 
I'm sorry. <laughs> we come, uh, I, it's a big rivalry, John. My my family, they're from Guadalajara, so we're big Chivistas. So that's why I said you can't okay. pick America because there's a big rivalry between America and Chivas. Big rivalry. So that's one of the oh, biggest rivalries. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, well, am I missing something? <laughs> <Is> this... <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, man. Uh, you have, you have, you know, you got, Francisco, you, you, you don't, you, you have any of your, 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 uh, your famous, uh, fast, uh, fast questions or what, anything like that that you do at the end? Uh, well, that was, that was part of one of them. What, because <laughs> I really was curious and I wanted to know, that's one of the fire round questions is what is the Mexican club that you probably would have picked? But uh, I mean, if you have, uh, I, if, have, an, if you have I have, I have, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Francisco. No, no, no. I was just going to ask, like, if you have one piece of advice um, that you would give to our listeners who are in getting started in real estate, what would that be? Buy cheap. Buy, <laughs> buy low, sell high. That's great. That's buy amazing. That's amazing. You buy low, you won't have any issue. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That came out so good. <laughs> Come on, man! Come on, man! Come on, man! That 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 can't be. That can't be the only advice you have. <laughs> You're well, killing me here, Jaime. You're killing me. I, I know it sounds very stupid. But, uh, I hear this every time, and people get so involved, and, and really, it's, it's very sexy in all different ways. People from doing a big tower that's gonna cost them a lot of money. The returns are not gonna be that big, and the risk is huge, but they just want to make a statement. I mean, the guy that wants to make a shopping center and they just want to pour in a lot of money on materials and make it beautiful. That's not going to bring any money back. The guy that buys. Oh yeah. You see, you see it all the time. I see it every day. I mean, I have this conversation with a lot of yeah. investors. They, they want to invest in, I want to invest in Miami beach. Why are you buying in St. Petersburg? That's, I don't want to go there. It's, not where you want to go. I mean, it's where that's not sexy enough. We're gonna make money. Yeah. So I, I, I think the um, trying to be uh, more serious. I had a, a very big businessman tell me there was three loss in business, and if I would stick to them, that's that would be more than enough, and I would never fail. <laughs> he said, "What? What were the three laws?" He, stay, he said, stay away what? from new technologies. Don't go in uh -huh. to new technologies as soon as they come in. Just wait around, see what works. Maybe you'll, you'll get in uh, with, uh, with an overcharge, but uh, it's worth it because when you pour yourself in a new technology and it doesn't work, you'll basically just, uh, crash and burn. Uh -huh. The second one was stay away from slow forces. And what he meant is uh, businesses that take a lot of your time, uh, you invest a lot of your time, money, connections, whatever, and it still doesn't get enough momentum. And the third one was stay away uh -huh. from fast women. And by fast women, he meant these sexy businesses. Oh, I think we all, I don't, I don't think that, that one doesn't need an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's well, I think that's the only one that speaks for itself. <laughs> but what he means by that is stay away from those two sexy businesses that just take your time and really doesn't don't bring money to the table. Yeah, yeah. Sound advice. Sound advice. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, Jaime, we're coming to the end of the show, but this is this has been uh, fabulous. What a what a what a journey to to, to walk through. That's that's uh, thank you. I pre we we definitely appreciate no, you coming on the show humbled. and yeah, and sharing humbled. this journey with us. That's that's that, yeah. that's fantastic. That's a great story. Thank you guys. That's my pleasure. Yeah, and Jaime, real quick, uh, I'll let you I'll let you plug this in. How can people find you and where can they connect with you? Honestly, I don't have any social media except LinkedIn. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's under Jaime Rionda. In LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. Amigo, muchas gracias. Fue un placer. Thank you so much. And I know all of our listeners really enjoy the entire journey that you literally took us through from all kinds of aspects in your life and the roller coasters. But all in all, it's 
this again, this show is dear to my heart because it's Mexican rooted. I'm Mexican. Y arriba las chivas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but it didn't sound like something that Jaime liked. No. <laughs> well, I'm out. I'm out. Jaime, thank you so much, man. Much love, brother. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you again. Much love, brother.